If you have the word of the Lord with you, you turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Last time I was up here, we looked at verses 15 and 16. Today we're going to look at 17 and 18, but I'm going to read all of them, 15 through 18. And the Apostle Paul wrote, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So as we look at this, we could see that in a lot of the places prior to this, we see Paul that he would, like in verse 9, having made known unto us. Paul includes us with him. But in these four verses here, he kind of goes a little bit away from that, Brother Roger. Look at it, look at it in verse 15, and he says, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And isn't it awesome when we see that, you know, don't we, isn't that what we hope for even in this world today, um, Brother Roger, is that the churches would hear of our faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. And they would look unto us as he goes in verse 16, it says, praying that they would think of us as a praying church, that they heard of these things of us. And so, you know, Paul spent quite a bit of time in Ephesus and I think we talked about it in verse 15, wherefore I also. So it's not only Paul, but other people that had heard of the church at Ephesus. that heard of them, their faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. And I guess all churches would like to have that said of them. And we look at this. So we know that Paul had had a lot of friends back there in Ephesus because you just don't stay in one place for almost two years and not make friends. I'm sure he made some enemies too, Bill, you know what I mean? But he had a lot of friends. So Paul just couldn't stay in one place forever because he was moving all around as, you know, he was an evangelist, so he was going out and about. So evidently he was somewhere else and someone had brought him word of how the church at Ephesus was doing. And that he was pretty happy, I would say, because when he heard about all that, and because of that, that he ceased not to give thanks for them, making mention of them in his prayers. Now, we know that Paul, like David, was a a prayer warrior, wasn't he? He was always in prayer. And I think when we made mention of this, uh, that... You just wonder how many hours of the day, we're not talking minutes now, Bill, we're talking hours of the day that Paul probably spent in prayer. He heard of this, he'd heard of other things, other things were given him. But what we need to look at is that at the beginning of 16, verse 16, he ceased not. I cease not to give thanks for you. And all these other people that he was praying for. 
See, this is we need to learn in our lives that we would not cease to pray. You know, it says the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We see Jesus as a good example, you know, praying all the time. He gave his disciples the model of prayer. So we look at this and we think prayer is a part. Let me back up. Prayer has been a part of the church even before it started. Because this was happening before they actually started the church. You want to look at the beginning of Acts to see when the church actually started. So we can see it's always been a part of the church to pray. So that's why we should continue to pray unceasingly, all the time, continue to prayer, pray. So when we look at this, I might have made mention of the fact the last time, starting at verse 15, all the way through 23, that is one long sentence that Paul has written here. Look at, at the, uh, the commas and semicolons and colons, and you can see that at the end of 14, it says, unto the praise of his glory, and it's a period, and you don't, when 15, you don't have another period until you get to, to 23. So it's, so he goes on, and when he says, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So now Paul is going into it, and he's going he's gonna to give, give them some things that he's been praying for them at the church. And he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I wrote some notes down, and in the eternal God of the heavens, you know, this is the same God that's in verse 17. It's the same God that has been prevalent in the first 16 verses. It's the same one. It's that same God that's there. The same God that's in verse 1 that says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. It's that same God there that's in verse 17, says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. It's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's our God and Father. It's Paul's God and Father. And it's Jesus's God and Father. The Father of glory. The Father of glory. He is a glorious Father to the saints. Who he has shown love and mercy and grace, hasn't he? He takes care of us and protects us and has given us an inheritance in heaven because we have been adopted into his family. Remember, it was just not that long ago. It talks about we're adopted into his family. What we look at is, is may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That we would be able to know and to understand the things that are contained in the scriptures. We know that in, in, the, in the regeneration, isn't it? When we looked at that and we see these things. And he's taken away that old heart, hasn't he? That heart of stone. Through the deceitfulness of sin. And he's taken that out and he's given us a heart of flesh. And with this new heart, we can fully understand 
because he's given us a new heart and he's given us a new spirit, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And isn't it awesome when we look at this and we can see this and understand how awesome it is that we have such a, a father that never gives up on us. If you're one of his children, he's not going to give up on you. He may chastise you. Remember what it says. If you're without chastisement, what are you? You're not sons. What does he say? You're bastards. So we should be thankful that we can see these things and understand and how it is. And that we, the spirit of wisdom, we have to understand that's not the wisdom of this world. You know, Paul says, I'm not talking about the wisdom of this world. I'm not talking about the wisdom of man. I'm talking about the wisdom that only can come to us from above. It's the only place that wisdom can come from is above. You know, when Jesus told Simon, well, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know what? You're so blessed, Simon. Because flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto thee. But my Father which is in heaven. And we can see these things. You know, and as we look at it and we understand it, this is the part of Paul's prayers for the saints at Ephesus. But not only for the saints at Ephesus, but for us also, right? Because he says in verse 1, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul never knew us, did he, Roger? He never knew us. Didn't have an inkling of all of those. But he knew one thing. That there's going to be some of God's people throughout eternity. You know, when we look at things, and in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 2, when he says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. We realize that when he says, Remember, I was talking about how he's saying I and your and different things like that. But here he goes again that even when we were dead in sins, because Paul knew what? That he was of that nature. He was dead in his sins. Dead in his sins. He's given us life together. You know, God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. He loved us. When we didn't know we were a child of God, he knew we were a child of God. Because our names were written where? In the Lamb's Book of Life. Before the foundation of the world. So he knew that, and he knew the exact time, the date, the year, the time when it was going to happen. Because one of his attributes is what? He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything. He knows all of these things. And this is what's just, you know, just be so comforting to us. 
You know, so this, this is part of, of Paul's prayers for the saints at Ephesus that are faithful in Christ Jesus, that they would increase in wisdom. Increase in wisdom. Turn to James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 5 through 7 in chapter 1 of James. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive any of the Lord. So you want wisdom? We're looking back here, and Paul's prayer is that we would have wisdom. Wisdom. James is saying, you know, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. So he's not going to get down on you because you're asking for wisdom and you're asking for knowledge and understanding. Because he what? If you ask of God, if you ask of God, he's going to give to all men liberally. But look at in verse 6. Remember, one of my favorite words in the Bible is but. But let him ask in faith. So we've got to have faith. Faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ, that when we come to him, ask in faith, nothing wavering, not doubting. See, it's easy to kind of try to doubt a little bit. For he that is doubt is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And James then says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So we have, to, we have to come to him in faith. You know, chapter 11 in, 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 in Hebrews is, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, and we can see and we look in there in, in, Ephesians, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. So, you know, in James it says we ask in faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11 it says, But out without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's, he's going to reward us with this wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So when we come to him and we don't have faith, And as we said, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows what's in your heart when you come to him and ask for these things. You know, we need to, 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 to really watch out. You know, and it, it talks about it that even in Ephesians, we're like a 
tossed about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And there are people that are out in the world. But he says, we're supposed to be what? Rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. We're not to be tossed about. I was talking to my one nephew the other day, and I says, there's one thing that I, that I don't like, and it's people that are, I, I call them, and I, I think it's a lot of people call them church hoppers. They don't know what they want, Brother Roger. They hop from church to church. They're looking for something. I don't think they know what they're looking for. And they just go around. And they may be good for a little while. But then they, 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 they just can't stand. And they have to move on to somewhere else. I don't know what's in their minds. I don't know why they do it, Brother Roger. But I know they do. So we, we really need... We, we've been pretty fortunate here, Brother Roger, is what I guess I'm wanting to say right now, is that we've been pretty constant. We've had our core group of people that have been here from the beginning, Brother Roger, and that's what I like. And we see that some of them that were here, that were members here, they've went other places. We've got a lot of them. Uh, some of them, I'm not going to say a lot of them, but some of them are, are no longer part of the primitive Baptist faith, unfortunately. They've got caught up in other things and the things of the world. And uh, I, I, I don't know what they're looking for. I know I've... I've I've, I've found what I want right here in the King James Version. I've found what I want here with the saints that are here at Mount Zion Church. So it's, we look, you know, and we look at this, the wisdom and revelation who reveals Christ to us and the knowledge of Christ. Isn't it awesome when he reveals these things unto us? Remember I told you, I was talking with Albert the other day, Brother Albert, and I was just saying how, I, I've been slowing down when I'm reading the Bible and trying to read out of the printed word rather than the electronic word. And I says, that's what I've tried to talk to the church and just say, slow down. Slow down. It's, we look, we have to look at it. It's not a contest, is it? It's nice when you read the Bible and you can get it, get it read within a year or whatever. Uh, it's not a contest to see who can read the fastest. It's not a contest to see who can read the most in one year. We need to read to gain, as Paul is saying, wisdom. Wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Because there are false prophets that are in the world today, aren't there? Brother Roger was just saying, Satan's, Satan's alive, and he's well, and he's out in the world, and he's deceiving people. I don't, I don't know why, you know, what's in his mind. I, I, I still believe that even think, even if we read Revelation, we can see that even to the very end, when it gets to the, the Battle of Armageddon, he thinks he can win. He thinks that he can win. But we know that we've gained the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So and I told him, I said, slow down. And he says, yeah. He says, you know, Dave, he says, I, I kind of agree with you. He says, 
And I, I, I want to say that uh, Brother Albert is very good at reading and reading the Bible. He gets up and reads a chapter every Sunday. And he says, Dave, he says, all I got is time. He says, it's only the dog in me when I get home. He says, it's only the dog in me. He says, I just sit there and read the Bible and study the Bible out. And we could use him, his, him for an example that we think we're busy, don't we? And we think we're limited in our time. But in Ephesians, it says what? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. He talked about it then, talking about it now. The days are evil. How are we using our time upon this earth? Are we getting involved into the Bible or are we just, you know, and I, I know we all get up and I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand. So a lot of times I get caught up in the things of the world and it's not a good thing. And then we realize that we need to get back to the basics. Back to the basics. And I, I, I'm, I'm looking at two basics. Reading the Bible and praying. That's what we need to get back to. When we see things getting out of control in our lives. And let's, let's, let's be true, let's be honest. Sometimes that happens to us, doesn't it? The world, life gets a hold of us. It seems like it's spiraling out of control. That's when we need to get back to reading the Bible. We need to get back to prayer. I don't know if it's like getting in our prayer closet, getting alone. Getting alone. I I believe what it's trying to tell us, get alone with the Lord. Shut out the things of the world. And just get alone with the Lord. Just you and the Lord, one-on-one, together, talking. Things are going to be awesome. So as, as we see Christ reveals, uh, reveals Christ, let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. This is what I talked about earlier. And uh, let's go back to 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So you've heard me say how Jesus really likes to ask a lot of questions. Because if you ask questions, then you can find out what is their level of understanding. But what I like is, Jesus, he says, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So he's pretty much telling his disciples, I'm the Son of Man. Then in verse 15, he saith unto them, But whom... Say ye that I am. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Reveal. Revelation. He reveals these things unto us. Just like the book of Revelation, it's, it's revealing things unto John when he was on the Isle of Patmos. And isn't it good when we can say, like Simon Peter, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I know we can look at it, we got the, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we can see, we can understand that who Jesus Christ was, the Son of the living God, the only begotten of the Father. We have to understand, when we can see these things, and they're revealed unto us, we have to fully comprehend how blessed we are, Brother Roger. You're blessed beyond imagination with the things that he reveals unto us. He says, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of John, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. So no preacher, nobody else, even today, preachers, we can preach the gospel. We can tell you of the things and impart some of the knowledge that we've gained from Jesus Christ. We can do that. So he says, you know what? Flesh and blood does not reveal that unto thee. But my Father which is in heaven. When we're reading the Bible, and all of a sudden it just opens unto us, doesn't it, Brother Roger? All of us, when we read the Bible and we say, wow. Have you ever had that? Have you ever happened to you and you go, Wow. That's, that's what he means. Do we, have to, we realize that, that it's our Father which is in heaven that reveals these things unto us. Opens up our knowledge. Open up, we need to open up our heart. We're going to look in a little bit in, in verse 18 when it talks about the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. That's the eyes of our heart. Our heart. Because it's all changed in our heart, isn't it? Aren't we so, isn't it so good when we can see these things revealed unto us and we realize where it comes from, not men or anything like that? You know, that's what I like in verse 18 when it starts out, the eyes of your understanding. Now my Bible, like I, said, I got an older Bible, at the bottom it says, understanding it says heart, the eyes of your heart. You know, there's a song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart that I might see Jesus. And when we open up the eyes of our heart and we can see these things, that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart being enlightened, be illuminated. It's illuminated. It's like I say, it's kind of like that light bulb that goes off. Thy word is a lamp unto a feet and a light unto my soul. 
he opens up our understanding. We're enlightened, illuminated to see these things. It's awesome. Now, some of the copies from the olden times were, were actually had the eyes of your heart. The eyes of your heart. When we can see that the eyes are understanding that we may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know, in verse 11, chapter 1, it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. We have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated. You know, in in, in Romans chapter 8, in verse, let's read 29 and 30. He says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. I'm going to read one more. I can probably read all the end. But what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, Who can be against us? God is for us. He's opened up the eyes of our heart. That we're being illuminated. He's he's showing us these things. And we look at these things. And moreover whom he did predestinate. He's predestinated us. You know, we, we realize that God's in control of everything that's happened in this world. If he's not in control of everything that happens in this world, then there's no way he can be God, can he? But he is in control of everything. Justified, then we also go over. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Look how he's for us in verse 32. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's freely going to open up our wisdom, isn't he? He's freely giving us these things. But it takes some work, it takes some effort on our parts to read these scriptures, to ask him for help. If you don't understand it, ask him. Open up. Lord, What do you really mean here? Help me to understand this. Look at other scriptures, comparing scriptures with scriptures to see these things. You know, again, I I wrote down some things. Our our eyes are open to see the sinfulness of sin. To see that our own righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. And to see the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. Your eyes have to be open to see these things, Bill. You can't see these things if you're not a child of God. You you cannot understand to see our sinfulness. That we're sinners. 
to be able to see and understand. He opens up himself to us so that we can see that our own righteousness is as nothing but filthy rags. But the key to this is to see the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and what he does for us and what he did for us upon the cross. When we just look, what is the hope of his calling? The effectual calling of the saints, which is not external, but it's internal, Brother Roger. It's not on the outside, it's on the inside. You know, aren't you thankful that it says in the Bible, for many are called, but few are chosen? A lot of people read a, a general calling of the scriptures, but only certain hear that effectual calling. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Actually, I wrote down here that the hope, Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. Let's go back there real quick and see. I didn't quite, I, that was before that. 24 and 24, our, our hope. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For a, what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? That's pretty good words right there, isn't it? Paul wrote. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. We're waiting for that second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, aren't we? Isn't it wonderful when we look at that hope? That hope. We, then do we with patience wait for it. You know, we know that what, Bill? Earth is not our home. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. We've never seen heaven, but boy, we sure do patiently wait for it, don't we? We do, we do patiently wait for these things, don't we? Turn back into the, I'm sorry, that's in the New Testament. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 15. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Let, let no man despise thee for what you believe and how you believe. We need to, looking for that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't it, isn't it awesome when we look at these things and we try to fully understand and comprehend these things and when God opens them us up unto us, that we may know what is the hope of his calling. 
And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is our inheritance? That hope that we have obtained a crown of righteousness. And will reside with him in immortal glory in that house not made with hands. That house is not made with hands. It's up in, it's up in heaven. It's so awesome when we can look at these things and, and see this, to understand these things. We're going to go to Revelation. Now, we haven't got as far as where I'm going to be here. Turn to Revelation chapter 20 first. I'm going to read verses 12. And 15. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's kind of a small, but we, we, really under, we really need to understand the complexity in verse 15. If your name is not found in the Lamb's book of life at the end of this world, and I believe that's going to be an actual event, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And we should be thankful in the end judgment. When it says that the books were opened. And another book was opened. Which is the book of life. That's the Lamb's book of life. Written before the foundation of the world. And hopefully our names are written in that Lamb's book of life. You know, it says, make your calling and election sure. That's doing those things that are pleasing His sight. Living our life for Lord God Almighty. Look at chapter 21. This is what I can't wait until we get down, Brother Roger, when we start reading these. We're gonna, in chapter 20, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now we might think this is a little bit puzzling here when it says there's a new heaven and a new earth. Remember, Jesus says, you know what? All the things on this earth are going to melt with a fervent heat. They're all going to go away. What man or persons ought we to be? And we know and we can understand that all these things are going to go away. First, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now you know when you see a bride and coming down that aisle, they say there ain't nothing more beautiful than that, is it? 
That's what it's going to look at, and we can see that coming down. <coughs> Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. We understand that? We're going to see this. And God himself shall be with them. And be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow. Nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. What a wonderful time that is going to be when we realize. No more pain. No more death. No sorrow. Nor crying. We're going to be in the presence of God. Isn't that awesome when we can sit there and realize that? When you see God sitting on his throne. Jesus Christ sitting on his right hand. And on the one side are going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. And on the other side are going to be the 12 apostles. It's amazing. Turn to chapter 22. We're going to read 3 through 5. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him or worship him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. When we talk about the the hope and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, we're going to be with him. That's just awesome when we look at that and see them. You know, and you know, and we're going to reign forever and ever. We're going to be with him forever and ever. Isn't it awesome? When we can see these things, and he reveals that unto us. You know, we don't really need to dwell on it, Bill, a whole lot, because we know it's true. We know it's true because why? It's written right here, and it tells us that we're going to be with him forever and ever, whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know how big that book is, but I know there's a lot of names in there. But it does say in the Bible, for many are called, but few are chosen. So I guess that book with all the names and there is nothing compared with the amount of people, Bill, that have lived upon this earth from the inception until his second coming. You know, I just want us to understand and really give thanks unto God that he opens up the eyes of our heart to see these things. Remember, the natural man cannot receive the things that be of the Spirit of God. What does the Bible say, Roger? They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And when we get into chapter 2, we're going to see. And it says, And you have been quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. You have been made alive spiritually. Praise the Lord. 
I hope that what I've said today will, will help you in your lives today. And as we go through in this world, that we can fully understand that if God is for us, who can be against us? I thank you for your kind attention this morning.